Welcome to Uncovered here on the Midas Touch Network and exclusive to the Midas Touch Network. I'm Anthony Davis. He is Ron Filipkowski. And between us, we try to uncover the MAGA propaganda that is not covered by the mainstream media. Uh, Ron, welcome. Nice to see you're still in D.C. <laughs> yes. And the weather never changes. Never changes. And that flag, it's a bit like the moon landings, isn't it? The flag that just <laughs> waved despite the lack of atmosphere. Uh, firstly, I want to start by wishing you a very happy Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, you and I, we, we, we have a certain, you know, unrequited love for each other. I'm not sure which way it goes. But let's just start by wishing all of the Midas Mighty and anybody who might be Watching today, a happy Valentine's. Just trying to just trying to fill the show with some love, Ron. It's really important in this you crazy are, world. You are definitely one of my Valentines for sure. Okay, well, yes. let's let's not give too much away. Um, okay, we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, um, you know, Trump's got some court stuff coming up this week. We probably don't even have time to get to that because, in the meantime, I think I would probably say the biggest story is really Trump's kind of reference to Russia. And, and and this idea that if NATO don't pay up, then if Trump was president, he would encourage, encourage Russia to attack NATO allied countries. I mean, is that not the craziest thing of, of the of the last few weeks? Yeah. And, you know, Nikki Haley called it called it really, really well. What what she said was he went off his teleprompter, which he every time he goes off his teleprompter, he gets in trouble. And DeSantis talked about this. Haley talked about this. And we saw it again with this because, you know, he has his standard, you know, NATO stump speech stuff. And I can pretty much give you his standard stump speech off the teleprompter by heart because I've heard it so many times. Right. But then, you know, what he likes to do is sometimes riff and ad lib. And and every everything that, you know, myself and Ace and Clips or or Aaron Rupar clips of Trump speeches is typically his ad libs because that's when he gets in trouble. Yeah. And this was an example. You know, he he likes to talk in, in terms of NATO being a transactional <laughs> contractual thing. And the excuse he, he has a, a hostility to NATO. And and what he uses as his excuse to complain about it is the fact that all these countries, there's a bunch of countries that weren't spending two percent of GDP, of course. But, you know, it's not all. It's about half. So what he did was he and and by the way, the ones that are not spending two percent are spending like one point nine, one point seven, one point eight, with the exception of Iceland, who has no military. But we let them in NATO because of their strategic location. Well, They've also got hardly any population either. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't have any know. people. Yeah. But look, you know, Iceland is an important location to have, sure. you know, be able to fly planes into and stuff so let me let me play the clip of this before we continue our analysis because it's almost it's almost unbelievable what what he is saying out loud here it is they asked me that question one of the presidents of a big country stood up said well sir uh if we don't pay and we're attacked by russia will you protect us i said you didn't pay you're delinquent he said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. I mean, firstly, that's a lie, isn't it? I mean, no one said that to him. He never said that to anyone. This is just him kind of doing Putin's bidding. Yeah, well, he's talking about Germany and Angela Merkel. And, and I think he didn't say that, no, but he... He said something along those along those lines, not as far as like, I'm going to let them attack you. No, 
I think what he said was, you know, we might not be there to help you or something. I don't know. Um, but again, this is just the excuse. But but to go one step further than just saying they need to pay up to, to take that to the next level and say anyone who is delinquent on their payments, we will not honor our security agreements. And by the way, he acts like, you know, NATO is just something that the United States is gifting to the to Europe, yeah. you know, and. and not not even taking into account the fact that Europe is incredibly valuable piece of our security, the European countries, having sure. those European countries with strong militaries and, and the bases and all of that helps the United States. So he acts like this is like we're helping out Europe, like Europe is a charity of the United States. That is absolutely not the case at all. It, it completely mischaracterizes it. But but look, what he said there is Vladimir Putin's dream. Yeah. You know, that's that's what he's looking for. I mean, these are the kinds of things that cause conflict, that cause hostility. When 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 somebody says we won't protect you, what does that mean? You know, that means that, that country is typically going to be invaded. And, you know, who really went nuts over this were the Poles, you know, the, yes. Pol- the, uh, the people in Poland. You know, they're right on the border of Russia. The war is raging in Ukraine. They have all these Ukrainian refugees in their country. And they hear this from the U.S. president. I mean, not ex-U.S. president, you know, it scares the hell out of them. And that's why the European countries are so scared of Trump getting back into the presidency. And the whole point of NATO, which was created in the wake of the Second World War, is to is to ensure that there isn't a, there isn't a World War Three is to make, make sure that all nations, especially European nations, but but NATO allies remain allies to prevent conflict. And, you know, we know that um, Russia was was briefly a part of NATO, came out in 2022, I think. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Europe. They came out of Europe in 2022. So, you know, Russia is very much the foe. And po- Putin's plan all along, and maybe this is what he had that secret conversation in Helsinki about with, with Trump, because, you know, no one knows what went on in that conversation, apart from the interpreter being present is that, you know, doubling down on the idea that, you know, disband NATO, leave NATO. I mean, that's a very easy thing to say quickly, isn't it? Because I, I get the sense that for all of the the Russia, Russia, Russia denials that Donald Trump does, in, there is an increasing amount of evidence to suggest that he is doing the bidding of Russia, cares more for Russia than he does for the United States. And let's not forget that, let's not forget the history here, which is, People think of World War II, and that's present in their consciousness because of TV and movies, but there was war after war after war before that yeah. in Europe. Yeah. Uh, you have World War One. you know, you had the 1870, France and, and, and uh, Germany had a, had a major war. Uh, you know, there were conflicts, the Napoleonic Wars. There was pretty much every couple of decades a major conflict in Europe. But since the NATO alliance, which is 1949, there there's 31 NATO countries. Not one of them has been attacked because of the NATO alliance, because the NATO alliance says if you attack one, you attack all of us. And we all 31 countries come to that country's aid. And that has kept the world from a major conflict for 80 years. And now Donald Trump is saying no. You know, we're going to dissolve this. We're going to do away with this. And by the way, Vladimir Putin decades ago said, you know, he was asked in an interview. This is a famous interview from like 20, 30 years yeah, ago. I remember. Where he was asked, you know, what it, if you could do one thing 
what would you do as far as foreign policy? He said to break up NATO. And here, and here we are. We, we, we've been getting a little more insight into Vladimir Putin in the last few days because Tucker Carlson famously claimed to be the only Western journalist to have the, have the guts to go and interview Vladimir Putin, which in itself is a lie, of course, because there are Western journalists all the time putting in requests to the Kremlin. Kremlin only have people interview Putin. I don't think he's been interviewed for a couple of years who are friendly to Russia and friendly to Putin. And of course, Tucker Carlson, like Donald Trump, is doing the work for Vladimir Putin. I, I watched the interview. I mean, it was it was weird and boring and, and, you know, quite pointless. And Tucker Carlson is definitely not a journalist, as he claims. His questions were, were all over the place. And, of course, there was this 30-minute speech from Putin talking about the history of, of, you know, Ukraine and the relationship with Russia, which apparently was mostly untrue. And he just kind of, you know, made it up. So... What was your feeling, just quickly, kind of on that on that interview? How, how did you feel when you saw it? I think it was a disaster for Tucker. I think he knew he knows it. It's a disaster. A lot of workers know that, which is why they don't. They you know they they were hyping it up like it was going to be their Super Bowl. It was going to be a big deal. Yeah. And then you know they they barely talked about it or tweeted about it. Or they didn't clip it. I I clipped it more than they did yeah. just to show how ridiculous it was. Yes. So yeah, it was a disaster. Tucker went in there. He had all these questions. You know, Vladimir Putin makes him wait two hours sitting in the chair by himself. He doesn't hardly get to ask any of the questions because Putin had no intention of letting him ask questions. He was just going to give a two-hour history speech right. starting in Mongolia in the ninth century, working his way forward. And that's not exactly what Tucker had planned, but Tucker really had no say in the matter as Putin let him know right from the, right from the beginning. He started the interview by saying, I hope you're going to let me speak and not interrupt because people in the United States criticize you and say you're not a serious journalist. Yeah. And if you're a serious journalist, you'll let me talk. And Tucker dutifully nodded his head and off Putin goes. (laughs) It was a disaster. There was very interesting moments where Vladimir Putin told Tucker Carlson about himself, said, you know, you you are, you know, you majored in history or you applied to the CIA. In fact, I've got a clip of that CIA moment. Let's uh, just take a look, because Tucker Carlson obviously was a bit like, "Uh oh, is there a mark on my back? Here it is. With the backing of CIA, of course. The organization you wanted to join back in the day, as I understand. We should thank God they didn't let you in. Although, it is a serious organization. I understand. I mean, you know, let's not forget Putin is a former KGB agent. And, you know, I think information and and knowledge is, is, you know, his thing, right? He wants to know everything about everybody he's ever going to come into contact with. And yeah. he, he, he certainly knew who, who Tucker Carlson was. Yeah, he's he's doing a couple things there. Number one, he's letting Tucker know, I know everything about you. Yeah. <laughs> I've done my homework on you. You're not going to you're not going to pull the wool over. I know exactly who you are and what you're all about. <laughs> I know where you live. One. Yeah. And then number two, he's he's letting him know, like, you are not in any way my equal. I consider you a fly, you know, on the, on that I've just squashed a bug. I've just squashed in the bottom of my shoe. You are nothing to me. And, and he repeatedly belittled him like that. 
You know, so he didn't need to say it like that. You know, he, he went out of his way. This was not in response to a question. He stopped what he was doing in the middle of a long diatribe and said, oh, by the way, you applied to the CIA and got rejected. You know, just letting the whole Tucker audience know this, many of whom did not know that. They, a lot of them don't know his 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 background yeah. much of his background and uh you know and i and and the other thing that was interesting by the way is that putin insisted his requirement to do this interview was that it be unedited uncut he had to show the whole thing no matter what cuz you know that would have been edited out you know if if putin hadn't hadn't insisted upon that yeah well there would have been nothing to show cuz it was just embarrassing moments for tucker carlson um yeah. Post the interview, or pre and post the interview, Tucker also made a whole bunch of videos, just a piece of camera in front of the Kremlin where he tried to set it up, and it was all just misinformation. Then afterwards, he did some videos of in back in the hotel afterwards, or, you know, yep. just trying to informal, you know, on his phone style videos to to bolster the, 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 the interview, because the, the interview came to nothing. I mean, right. he actually said, I think it's going to take me at least a year to try and work out what just happened. Well, that's that's, that's not journalism. But I, this clip that you posted, which is very interesting, where he's kind of debriefing to an audience, he actually says something really quite terrifying about Russia. Let's just have a listen. Very shocking and very disturbing for me was the city of Moscow, where I'd never been, the biggest city in Europe, 13 million people. And it is so much nicer than any city in my country. I had no idea. My father spent a lot of time there in the 80s when he worked for the U.S. government and barely had electricity. And now it is so much cleaner and safer and prettier aesthetically. It's architecture, it's food, it's service than any country, city in the United States that you have to, and this is non-ideological, how did that happen? How did that happen? Russian propaganda from the mouth of one of America's most popular TV hosts. Yeah, I mean, he's in a foreign country, Dubai, denigrating the United States. He's saying, you know, the United States is terrible. You know, it's crime ridden. It's dirty. The, it's not the cities aren't aren't nice. Um, and using the vehicle of praising Moscow. Now, keep in mind, Tucker was there for what, four days. He was a tourist, a closely monitored tourist. Yeah, you can go to almost any country in the world as a tourist. And, you know, you see the nice parts. And you don't see the under this guy never got out, got into there's plenty of crime. There's plenty of grime and crime and and all kinds of stuff in Moscow. If you get outside, you know, the the Kremlin beltway, which is tightly controlled. And, you know, what he doesn't mention, of course, is that. So that's number one. Number, you know, the food is better in Moscow. Give me a break. There isn't. I, there isn't anybody who travels around the world who's going to say Moscow yeah. is, has a better food. But also, scene Putin than... controls the food supply. So, so famously, there, there might suddenly be a bread shortage. It's because Putin has hidden all the bread so that he can put yeah. all the bread back on the shelves a few months later and take the credit. You know, these are the mind games that, that a dictatorship plays with, with its citizens. And 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 Tucker Carlson has fallen directly into into Putin's trap. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he ate very well at the restaurants he went to. Yeah. But to imply that like the average Russian gets to dine at better restaurants and have better food than people in New York or San Francisco is just is just asinine. It's just it 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 makes you just laugh. And and the other part of it is safe. I would say safe for who? You yeah. know, you can't you can't walk down the street and 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 say something bad about 
Vladimir Putin or you'll be hauled off to prison or poisoned. Yeah. I mean, who is it safe for? It's safe for Tucker Carlson. It's not safe for American journalists who are locked up. Yeah. You know, um, it's, not, so it's not safe for political opposition. Ridiculous. Yeah. As, yeah. We, as we know, where is Alexei Navalny now? He's in Siberia in, in a high security prison. You know, right. people, I, I really, my worry, though, is there is so much brainwashing going on from Republicans to dilute the dangers of Russia and to paint Vladimir Zelensky in Ukraine as the as the evil dictator and, and, and yeah. Putin as a as a more of a, a kind of genuine, kind character. How, how did that happen, Ron? I mean, it happened because of Russian propaganda, you know, they, they put out disinformation piece after disinformation piece about Zelensky. Yeah. And, you know, in traditionally 20, 30 years ago, that would have gotten no traction anywhere. I mean, the Russians have done this for, for a hundred years, you know, put out all this disinformation garbage, but it never got any traction in Western media. So nobody ever saw it or knew about it, but you know, with the social media era and you have so many, American right-wingers and right-wingers around the world who are Putin curious or Putin sympathetic or even Putin lovers, they will grab onto it and spread it and, and, and pass it around. And, and there's nobody who's spreading it now in the world more than Elon Musk. Right. I mean, Elon Musk is the number one spreader of Russian propaganda. And, and let's you not know. forget that this interview was on Tucker Carlson show, which is on Twitter, on X. Yeah. And and so of course Elon Musk retweets it in full, and yep. you know he has tens of millions of followers. So tens of millions of people are are watching it, or probably just watching the first twenty minutes because I, I doubt anybody got through it. But that you know you cannot deny that people like Elon Musk and 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 Tucker Carlson, and you know Donald Trump, and now we're starting because of how. This kind of Ukraine aid bill is going in 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 the House and in, in the Senate. You really get a sense that they're all joined up. Everybody is doing everybody else's bidding, with the ultimate goal of dropping Ukraine and allowing Russia to, you know, have have access to territory. That's what Donald Trump's long term plan is. And in fact, you posted Don Jr. giving the game away on uh, you know MAGA senators opposing the aid bill. Let's take a look at that and then we'll talk about it. The bill, though, is to also try to handcuff a second Trump administration. Listen, the bill funds Ukraine through September 2025. That's nine months into what will be my father's second term. Okay, they're doing this to try to prevent my father from being able to easily make peace. We all understand that the second he gets to the table, he can end this. If you pull the money away, if you make stopping the endless flow of stupid money with no accountability, no checks and balances, nothing, an impeachable offense, they know they can keep their war going. That's what they're trying to do. So we can add Don Jr. to the list of people who are doing Putin's bidding now. You know, um, Trump is very cagey and cunning as far as he rarely he, he knows where that line is that he can't cross most of the time. Now, we just talked about where he crossed it on the NATO thing yeah. too far and he screwed up. OK, 
uh, but you know his campaign did damage control and walked it back. But Junior says what's in Donald Trump's head. He literally knows the quiet parts in Trump's head and says them out loud, which is why I watch Junior's podcast. I don't necessarily watch Junior's podcast to watch Junior. It's because I know that he hears stuff from his dad yeah. behind the scenes and spits it out on yeah, that. He can't podcast. keep his mouth shut. Right, because he, he feels right. like he's uh, he's got he's he, he doesn't have anything else to say of his own, right? So any morsels that he can grab from his dad, of course, he wants the exclusive. Yeah, and so what he's saying there is that he has heard from his dad, you know, that he does intend to to pull us out of NATO. That is his intent. John Bolton said that again this week. That is Trump's intent, and the reason why, the main reason why. They're so upset about this particular Ukraine bill. This is much worse than just the last you the last Ukraine bills simply gave them aid. Okay, fine, short term. The reason why this one has got them so upset is because it funds Ukraine through September 2025. And it does that specifically to be Donald Trump proofed that this ensures that Ukraine will be funded regardless of whether Trump becomes president or not well into hit nine months into his first year in office, which hopefully would be the end of the war or would end sooner than that. So this is why they're so upset because Trump wants to pull us, wants to cut off aid for Ukraine immediately, day one. Yeah. And that's how he wants to end the war by forcing them to surrender. And this package will prevent him from doing that. I mean, I just despair, really, that he is, A, doing so well in the polls, because, you know, there is a problem. It's like the elephant in the room. And that, you know, Trump's policies, the way he presents them, knowing that a good percentage of Americans are like, yeah, why do we need to be in foreign wars? I mean, there is a, an American sure. isolationist mindset where, where the idea of, of foreign wars that we're paying for but not actively serving in are, are a waste of money. There isn't really a great amount of empathy for for nations that are, you know, in, in need, sovereign nations that are in need of America's help. Why do you think that is? Why are there so many Americans, invariably Republicans, who just, they, they see no, they have no desire to be to be generous, even though we can afford it? That That has always been part of the American psyche. You know, it goes back to George Washington speech his final speech in, in office as president where he warned the united states not to get entangled into uh alliances overseas and not to get involved in european wars and all the way through you know people forget even during war for during world war ii right up until the japanese bombed pearl harbor yeah. the, the u.s was overwhelmingly against getting involved in any way which is why even the Lend-Lease program where we're just like loaning the Brits our old gear, you know, was very controversial and there was a lot of people against it. But you know what? It even goes further than that because even in like 1943 and 1944, there was a solid 35 to 40 percent of Americans who wanted us to get out of World War II before we won it. So uh, these are things people forget. So America's always had that chunk. And, and it has always been primarily in the Republican Party, even going back 100 years. You know, Charles Lindbergh was Republican. He was against 
us getting involved in World War II. So that that goes way back. So it's always been there. But, you know, social media and all that stuff can really magnify it. But, but I still believe it's still about the same as it's been for 100 years. It's that 35 percent, 40 percent. It's the same. It's the same mindset of people that don't want to extend health care to people who can't afford health care or, you know, Joe Biden helping students with with their student debt. This idea that, you know, helping other people or even people in the U.S. Yeah, it's 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 the same mindset, whereas, you know, progressive and liberal mindset invariably is that, you know, You've got to help people in need, support the underdog, whether it's a country or an individual. And because there is enough to go around, this is what's so offensive, isn't it? That, you know, the U.S. economy is gigantic. The, the amount of money that is made in terms of profit from, you know, the, the healthcare companies and, of course, the, the companies that make military equipment and, 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 and weapons. I mean, it's, it's massive. I mean, I know in the U.K. that BAE Systems is, is one of the biggest companies in the U.K. and all they make is arms. You know, that's that's where the money is wrong. Yep, absolutely. So, yes, it, it, it absolutely benefits us, you know, economically, because a lot of these countries are that we're supporting around the world buy their equipment and their their arms from us. So yeah. it, it does benefit the U.S. economy tremendously to be engaged. It also, you know, the free trade agreements, all of that, these things rely on the United States projection of power and our allies I mean, right after World War II, one of the first things we we did was made sure that Japan was a major trading partner and ally of the United States because we va- we, we recognized their value in ensuring free trade in the Pacific. So, I mean, it, it just thankfully, the United States has always had a majority of people since World War II who understand the value of engagement. But you know what? A lot of that was because of the World War II generation. They understood the value of it because they saw it with their own eyes and experienced it. But they're all gone now. Yeah. And so the question question is like, do the do the generations now fully appreciate how much this benefits the United States to remain engaged around the world? It's so interesting how social media is really the the differential in so much of this. Because, you know, I remember growing up in, in England where the only way you could get your personal opinion published was by writing a letter to the Times newspaper <laughs> entitled, Dear Sir, and then you had a one in a million chance of it being published. <laughs> and people would be like, oh, I saw your, saw your letter in the, in the Times. Of course, now anybody can be published at a moment's notice. And, and you know, that is, an in, that is a huge cultural shift because you cannot differentiate between what is truthful, what is false information, what is misinformation, what is opinion, what is fact. And when it comes and that's fine when you're talking about, you know, videos of cats on Instagram. But the moment you're talking about theaters of war and and conflict, it's very dangerous. Yeah, when everybody's weighing in, we saw it during COVID, you know, yeah. with the medical stuff. Yeah. Everybody's an expert, everybody's doing their own research, which is, you know, it's a two-edged sword. It, it it's good in terms of like it's a survival of the fittest and you don't have to go th- through the the chain of command and all of that to if you have good ideas and you have something interesting to say you can get that out without having to bust through some kind of artificial barrier so in a way it's good but but the other end of that sword is yeah you have a lot of bad actors and grifters and people with ulterior motives 
who are just spewing out nonsense and and there's a lot of gullible people that believe it it's hard to know who to trust uh well certainly not tucker carlson that's uh that's, yeah. that's a good place have you ever been to russia ron i have not i've been i've been all through europe but far east i've been was um melania trump's home there slovenia oh no lovely and I greece went, you know i went to russia in 1993 and you did i yeah. did haven't been back since it was, it was a it was a different it was a different world back then you know um okay let's talk about uh the new york election uh, because uh, trump posted something kind of kind of weird and interesting one of his kind of long form postings um I, i'll read it out and you can explain it he said republicans just don't learn but maybe she was still a democrat uh, I have an almost 99% endorsement success rate in primaries and a very good number in the general elections as well. But just watch this very foolish woman and then re- refers to her, uh, you know, as uh, Maisie Melissa, F- is it Flip? This print is very oh, small yeah. here. So this is a this is like an eye test. Her mar- that's her married name. Yeah. Right. R- running in a race where she didn't endorse me and tried to straddle the fence when she would have easily won if she understood anything about modern-day politics in America, manga, which most of the Republican Party stayed home, and it always will, unless it is treated with the respect that it deserves. I stayed out of the race. I want to be loved. Give us a real candidate in the district for November. Uh, is it, what is that? Suzoe? Suzo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know him well. Can be easily beaten. Um, <laughs> smallest text I ever read weirdest message i ever read it's quite cryptic just explain to all of us what what he's going on about here well neither candidate wanted the the presidential candidate involved in their race don't don't endorse (laughs) me i'm quite happy without you thank you yeah i mean you know the democrat was like you know biden i'm good you know i'm fine (laughs) i I got this you know and um and you got other things to deal with. And she was kind of the same way. She, she didn't want to get too caught up in all the Trump stuff. And so, of course, yes, that's what Trump's latches on to is like, you lost because you didn't love me. But look, what she knows is even though Long Island is included in this district, which is fairly Trumpy, you know, she knew that, you know, Trump is toxic in New York. Yeah. You know, he's not popular whatsoever. And, and so, the worst thing that could have happened for her campaign was to get, you know, she already was all in on Trump and and saying she supported him and this and that. So, but the last thing that she wanted to do was bring him in to do some kind of rally or something and, and just soak up all the oxygen and, and make it all about him. And, and so no, her, her loss had nothing to do with, with Trump. What was interesting was, her campaign, which really was managed by the House Republicans, it, they, you know, the pros moved in there because they wanted that seat and they they really ran her campaign and her messaging, not her. And the messaging was all about the border. They they it, So I was very interested by this race because it was really like a sneak preview of what we're going to see in November, which is the Republicans were going to hammer migrants in the border and they had somewhat of a case to make because a lot of the migrants that were thousands of migrants busting in New York are right there in that district or close to it. So so they thought that this was going to really be a winning issue. Some people have said, well, what does migrants have to do with New York? Well, there's a lot of migrants that have been bussed in New York City by Abbott. So it's a problem there. And you know what? Voters rejected it. And what did the exit polls show? Another surprising thing. 
and another bad omen for Trump and Mike Johnson. The exit polls showed that they blamed the House Republicans for a lot of the migrant problem because they blocked the border, the border agreement. Yeah. And that is that has got Mike Johnson scrambling today because he's already talking about trying to do a new border bill now. It's 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 been let me start again. Trump has been exposed. Republicans have been exposed because I think that the average person, including Republican voters, recognize that this information that we're getting that, you know, we heard from, you know, we heard from various surrogates now that they don't want to do a deal because they don't want to hand anything to Joe Biden. And they want Donald Trump to be able to fix it as and when he wins, which is, of course, political blackmail because there's a good chance he won't win and therefore it's not his to fix. I mean, do you think that that messaging now is is starting to permeate the psyche of even independent voters who recognize that that by not wanting to deal with the border now when the problem is now that that is wholly un-American? I you know, I was very worried that that was not, that messaging was not going to get to the American people. Yeah. And you know, when I talked to the people in the White House who last week who handled the border, they seemed very confident that, you know, this was going to be a winning. The fact that they that they blocked the border bill in the House was going to be the antidote to what Republicans were going to try and do with the border issue, that that was that was a big win for them. And I wasn't so sure, but but I'm, I'm becoming more sure of it now, especially with these results and what you're hearing from the people. And and I think you're seeing that in, in Johnson's reaction today, because because I think I kind of feel like Mitch McConnell set set a lot of this up, set up Trump and set up Johnson by negotiating that that border bill. And, you know, he backed away from it and left Langford hung out to dry. We talked about that last week. Yeah. But but, you know, you have to wonder, did McConnell kind of know that it was going to play out this way? Did did he anticipate you know, that Trump was going to block this and that it was going to hurt Trump. Because, see, I've always secretly thought Mitch McConnell does not want Donald Trump to be president again. I, I agree. And I he agree would almost that. rather have Joe Biden yeah. than Trump. Which is you a know? problem, of course, because, you know, he's the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. <laughs> you you really need his his support, certainly on the inside. Now, what compounds this issue is the timing of the impeachment of Alexandra Mayorkas, right? Or Alejandro, I should say, Alejandro Mayorkas. Because, you know, it, it failed the first time by a solitary vote. They've brought it about a second time, and, and, it, and it's passed. Let's see a reaction from Lauren Bobert, who brought this bill forward. Just now, we impeached Secretary Mayorkas, who's endangered our country by deliberately handing over control of our southern border to the cartel. Now that's delivering for the American people, and I'm proud to be a part of it. She is one of the worst. She's like the second worst American after the man himself. Um, so, so tell us your, your view of this, because my, my view is that, that impeaching Mayorkas, who is, you know, we discussed last week, he's not a great communicator, but he is actually quite good at his job. And yeah. so he, you know, he, he could certainly do better at explaining what he's done, considering that they've arrested and deported more people under Biden than they did under Trump. And we don't really hear that very much. But 
you know, the, the impeachment, which will almost certainly fail in the Senate, is still a, a, a black mark against, you know, Joe Biden's tenure, isn't it? I mean, if they want to make it so. I don't think so, though. I, I think you just shrug it off and, and you mock it. And, you know, they what they want is they want, you know, liberal tears. You know, yes. they want to own the libs here. They want they want all the Democrats. They what they wanted last night was all the Democrats crying over Mayorkas's impeachment, complaining, bitching, whining. So they could say, oh, the, the liberal tears and we yeah. owned them again and we showed you yeah. and we but warned it never, you. It never happened. Never materialized. It never happened. And, yeah. and I tried to you know, be one of the ones leading the charge on that, which is this is ridiculous. This is dumb. This is going to hurt them. This is nothing. This means nothing. Um, and they were like, well, he, he has that black mark. Well, who, who cares? You know, that it, it's a badge of honor. You know, it's not a black mark. And. I think that the American people are going to really see right through this, number one. But number two, look look at this. How did they get this done? It passed by one vote because Scalise got out of the hospital. But, you know, they had to rush it today, hurry up and rush the vote because they were worried that a Democrat was going to win in New York and be sworn in and and not, you know, that'd be another vote against them. And the second thing is they knew that a Democrat was out with COVID sick and couldn't show up to vote. So they took advantage of those two situations, which also makes them look bad. And the third thing that's going to make them look bad is how this is going to be handled in the Senate. And I predict that what is going to happen is Chuck there is going to, they think there's going to be a, a show trial, you know, and they're going to be able to get up and give big speeches. Holly was talking about this last night, how he was all geared up to, you know, be one of the impeachment prosecutors. That's not going to happen. Schumer's going to bring this up for a vote on a motion to dismiss. They're going to vote for it. They're going to dismiss it. And it's going to be five minutes. The, the comparison that some people will make, though, is that Donald Trump was impeached twice. Neither impeachment was ratified in the Senate. So he effectively claimed that he was therefore not impeached. But Democrats say that the twice impeached president, right, because he should have been impeached. Uh, in both houses. So there is a little double standard here, isn't there? And and it's and it's Donald Trump pushing, you know, impeach someone, impeach anybody. I was impeached, you know, impeach Biden. Of course, we know that never got off the ground. And, and, and so really, this is a tit for tat scoring thing, isn't it? You know, you impeach Trump twice, we're going to do some impeaching of our own. But here's why, substantively, it's a mistake politically, yeah. because you got four Republicans who voted against impeaching Mayorkas in the House. They all got hit with a firestorm for that vote. Yeah. One of them, Mike Gallagher in Wisconsin, announced he wasn't even going to seek re-election because they were already talking about running a Trump challenger against him. So it's taking those moderate establishment Republicans and putting them on blast. It's putting bullseyes on their back. And the same thing is going to happen in the Senate. Every senator who votes against impeaching, convicting Mayorkas, and there will be, I think, a fairly significant number of them. Again, they're all going to be attacked by their own people. You know, they're going to be swarmed just and, and just like every senator who voted for the Ukraine aid package is getting attacked right now. So, again, more division, more strife inside the Republican Party, attacking each other, primarying each other, while Democrats just sit back and go, 
these people are crazy and they can't govern. Yeah. So that's why this stuff backfires on them. I, I just hope that the it is being communicated, you know, through right wing media in the right way, uh, you know, accurately, because, again, people live in their information silos and it's very easy when the word impeachment is being bounded around or if there's a vote on impeachment in 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 congress that that messaging that it's not going to be ratified in the senate will not be communicated and so yeah. maga republicans and 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 you know your average former fiscal conservative whatever they are now they still think that stuff is being done it's it's, it's political theater yeah, I, I think there's a fair percentage of even Republican media like Fox that that is getting frustrated with yeah. this with these people, with this Congress, that nothing is happening uh, substantive. They're all fighting with each other constantly. I think even they are getting frustrated. I mean, not like the hardcore people on Newsmax and, you know, the YouTubers and all that. I'm talking about a lot of the Fox hosts who who are who are, I think, getting a little bit weary having to defend this cr- this crew right. who can't seem to do anything right. Mm, I hope so. Okay, we have to take a quick pause for our sponsor, and then we're going to come back. I want to talk about Trump's uh, view of Nikki Haley and also her husband, who he claimed is uh, missing. All that and more next on Uncovered. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Well, therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone. I've benefited from therapy myself, and the experience has been something that I look back on as being really positive and gave me that great opportunity for change. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash uncovered today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash uncovered. We're back. He's Ron. I'm Anthony. And uh, we're continuing uncovering the MAGA propaganda that is not covered by the mainstream, invariably. Um, Let's talk about this Nikki Haley story, which is kind of interesting. Donald Trump... You know, when he's at the rallies, as we know, there's the scripted sections and then there's the tangent sections. And we all love the tangent sections because they tend to go on for so long. And I don't know how he manages to stay up there for two or three hours sometimes. But as you know, because you watch these things in their entirety, there is a lot of there is a lot of material. Let me play this clip of him talking about Nikki Haley's husband and then you can explain exactly where he is. Nobody to see me at Mar-a-Lago, sir. I will never run against you. She brought her husband. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. Where, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone. He knew. He... Where is he, Ron? I mean, this is just an, an asinine, idiotic thing to say. I mean, of course, he, he, he's serving in the, in the army overseas in Africa. He's deployed there. He's been there for a while. Trump knows that. Um, what is he doing? 
I mean, this is like, you know, going after McCain for being a POW. Yeah, again. I was going to say that exactly the same. You he, know, it, it's no like respect it makes for the military. no sense. You, you, you got to see, you know, people like Susie Wiles or, you know, people with his, his campaign are just like cringing going, oh, geez, you know, it's this constant damage control. Uh, this makes no sense whatsoever for him to go after her this way by denigrating the fact that her husband is serving overseas, that that means he knows she's going to lose and doesn't want to be there. By the way, you know, Melania Trump has not been at a single Donald Trump campaign event. Not one. She has not appeared with him at anything outside of a couple of charity events at Miralago where she, you know, shows up for 20 minutes and leaves. So, you know, on the so he's denigrating her for not having her spouse at campaign events when his spouse hasn't been at a single one. And you know what? Her spouse has a better excuse than Donald Trump's because what is Melania doing besides maybe hanging out with the Miralago pool boy? You know, what what excuse does she have? She's not serving overseas. Um that brings us nicely into this very weird dear Melania moment, which uh, it didn't really make much sense to me when I when I first read it, nor anybody. This was was it like a a, a, a mail shot, like an email that went out to Trump supporters? It's a fundraising email. A fundraising yeah. email, and it, and I presume it was for Valentine's Day. That's right. Okay, let, I'll, Donald I'll, Trump's I'll, Valentine's Day fundraising email to his people. Yeah, well, I wonder, I wonder if Melania even saw it. Here it is. All right, Justin, does anything say I love you more than a fundraising email based on the litany of criminal charges against you? So Donald Trump just sent out a fundraising pitch that reads, Dear Melania, I love you. Even after every single indictment, arrest, and witch hunt, you never left my side. By those standards, there is a lot to stand beside this week. Tomorrow, two court hearings, Friday, a ruling that could cost him $370 million, as well as his New York business license. And any day now, the Supreme Court could receive a response from Jack Smith evolving the issue of presidential immunity. I mean, the irony of, of sending, you know, probably not sending a, a real Valentine's to his wife, but sending one as a fundraising email to all his supporters instead, in the hope that maybe she might see it. <laughs> I mean... Well it's it's it's, 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 he's just so weird (laughs) while you're playing that you know i went on true social here to his account because you know as of two o'clock he still had not yet posted anything about melania or valentine's day and and joe biden had posted a a very nice thing for jill you know and most politicians do it's kind of part of the gig you know it's like me or you as a private sister not necessarily going to like put our Valentine's Day messages to our significant others out there. But a politician, it's kind of like what you do, right? Yeah. Not Donald Trump. You know, <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't put anything out. He, he's put out many posts ranting and raving about, you know, prosecutors and his court cases and court cases, but nothing to express his love for Melania. So, yeah, I mean, you would think that they would put out photos of them together today, uh, enjoying breakfast, lunch. No, because the reason why he's not putting those things out is because those things don't happen. You know, she's not doing those things with him. 
it, it, it's so interesting. It reminds me of the Christmas message that he put out, you know, when everybody else is trying to be really positive and he just like comes in and tears everyone apart and New Year's message and, and, and it, you know, it's, it's, he is really unhappy and, and, and very lonely. And, you know, we, we sometimes forget that because so much of the video yes. we see is him at rallies where he's feeling the love, but, but he really is very much alone. And that's, I think that's a big reason why he needs that love so much more now from his fans yeah. is because he doesn't get any of it anymore at home. I don't know whether he ever did, but he's certainly not getting it now. He has no companion. His only companionship are these MAGA, MAGA fans and, and maybe Alina Haba, the attorney. But, you know, I even noticed she's not even as much around him the last few weeks because maybe because of all the criticism. But it'll be interesting. He's doing a rally in North Carolina tonight to see if uh, if she actually, you know, nah, Alina Habas actually there. Because uh, I know Melania is not going to be. Let's talk about the leadership of the RNC, the Republican National Committee, because uh, Rona McDaniel, as we know, is, is stepping down. Is it due to happen imminently? I, I'm not sure of the date. After uh, the South Carolina primary, which is the 28th, so two weeks from now. Okay, so so the, lots of names have been thrown around, and and you know certain people are suggesting that they would volunteer, and there's a, we've got a, a few kind of little suggestions here, and 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 Lara Trump is is one of those names that has been banded around, um, partly because Donald Trump kind of recommended her. Let's just see a little clip of her handling this. If I am elected to this position, I can assure you there will not be any more seventy thousand dollars or whatever exorbitant amount of money it was spent on flowers. Every single penny will go to the number one and the only job of the RNC. That is electing Donald J. Trump as president of the United States. Yeah, she really <laughs> is doing her best to, 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 you know, she wouldn't even want that job. It would actually require doing some work. What's so funny about that is that is not the job of the RNC. What she just said, she has no clue. Look, Laura, Laura, Laura Trump, has has never worked on a campaign as a consultant, been part of the RNC, and that's the arrogance of these Trump people, like a Jared Kushner and all. They think that they can just walk into these things that people spend a lifetime learning and studying and knowing and working their way up the ladder and learning at the at the feet of people who really know what they're doing and mentoring them along the way and passing the baton to them. The Trumps are so arrogant that they think that they can just walk into something that they know nothing about and, and immediately they're experts and better than everybody else. And, and you see right there, what you just said is actually like pretty much illegal. Like the RNC is supposed to be an independent body. It's not supposed to be connected or directly affiliated with any particular campaign. And their, their job is not just to elect the president. Certainly that's part of it. But really, you know, the presidential campaigns are supposed to pretty much run themselves. They have the most money of any people running for anything. And they're supposed to kind of be self-financed, self-operated vehicles. The RNC is there really to help everybody else. All these candidates around the country, they're supposed to target and identify the crucial races that they need to focus their resources on and get their ground game in place and their messaging. And, and that's what they're supposed to do. So go out and help six or seven key Senate candidates, 
18 to 25 key House candidates, that's their job. But instead, what you just heard from Laura Trump is they are now going to spend all their money and all their time helping Donald Trump, which means it's a zero-sum game that all those other people that were depending on the RNC for help are not going to get any. And she's also exposing the way that Trump ran his presidency the last time round, where every department doesn't matter whether it's the you know the Department of Justice or wherever they they become his kind of private army, private yep. l- lawyers, or you know it, it's it's he runs it like the family business that was the Trump organization. And so, if you get power, if you get access to more funding or any you know department then it's yours to do what you want with. And and that is corruption, isn't it? Plain and simple. And here's why that's a big problem in this particular case. This is why I said I predict that there's going to be people going to jail over this. Right. Because Donald Trump, what he knows about politics is how he runs his super PAC, which the rules are very relaxed. You know, you're allowed to get away with a lot of stuff. You're allowed to use a super PAC to pay Kim Guilfoyle's $60,000 to give a speech on January 6th. You're allowed to employ your your friends and relatives and all of this stuff. There's not very many rules for super PACs, unfortunately. There are some, but not many. And he's used to operating under that system for the last, whatever, seven, eight years. The problem is there are very, very strict rules that govern the RNC and the DNC about how they can spend their money, how they can raise it, what coordination they can have. And these rules are the strictest of any involved in any politics. Yeah. Well, this is campaign or, finance or law, the right? The um, campaign, campaign finance law is something that Trump has fallen foul of before. Yeah, but that's even not even operating under the strict laws that govern the RNCs and DNCs. Those laws are the strictest on the books. So, so Trump is going to go in there and just kind of act like the RNC, like you said, is his piggy bank when there are very strict laws in place to make sure that things like that do not happen. And he's not going to respect those rules. Well, maybe paying his legal bills before he announced his, his run set a precedent for him. Right. Yeah. Because that's not supposed to happen either. (laughs) I mean, um, you, you could technically argue it, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little shaky argument, but, but he's not even going to worry about technicalities. And by the way, that's why he wants Laura Trump in there because you know, Ronna McDaniel, again, you know, she she deserves a lot of blame, but she understood the law and she understood what she could and couldn't do to keep herself out of prison. And she wasn't about to go to prison for Donald Trump. So so there were some lines that were that were not crossed by Ronna. But that's why he wants Laura Trump in there, because she'll just let she'll just do whatever he says. Well, because it's the, the mob mentality, isn't it? Like in a mafia style operations where you put family in at all levels and positions and therefore the family is not going to do the dirty on the family yeah or they'll or they'll end up in the trunk of someone's car um let's let's talk about uh uh, matt gates and kevin mccarthy for a second because uh, it was in vegas wasn't it mccarthy was asked to respond to matt gates's suggestion that he should he should be rnc chair And uh, McCarthy said that based on what he knows about the House ethics investigation, Gates will likely be going to prison. Just explain this story for us. So it was very intriguing that McCarthy showed up in Nevada to Trump's victory party after the caucus because, you know, McCarthy lives in Virginia. 
what why why is he there why did he pop up in nevada for trump so immediately you know the speculation went running around that he he was he's most likely going to be very senior member of the trump administration chief of staff something like that which of course set off a lot of the maga people who are very upset about even that possibility because they hate mccarthy but something is something is up here he didn't go there for no reason and so while the reporters were asking him off camera about um about that you know why he's there and what he's angling for uh he he launched into a riff about gates because here's what here's what he knows that that ethics report which has been going on for a couple of years now is about to come out any day now and and some of these details are starting to leak out that do not cast gates in a favorable light and you know what mccarthy said said is not only is he probably going to be kicked expelled from congress but he's probably going to be prosecuted i don't know if that's true but but here's what i can say is that you know as we've seen with menendez with with um with santos with january 6th committee these congressional committees often dig up stuff that prosecutors didn't even know about and and we with menendez we saw that with santos we saw that where they find things that that they end up tipping off prosecutors and letting them know so so just because the u.s attorney in florida determined that there was not enough evidence to prosecute gates what mccarthy's saying is we've uncovered some new stuff that we think is going to be very interesting for the prosecutors to learn and when the american people hear it gates is toast and 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 that is why gates was so adamant about ousting mccarthy was because reportedly what mccarthy said was that gates went in and said i will oust you i will do the motion to vacate if you don't quash this ethics report this ethics investigation and mccarthy said i'm not doing that i'm not helping you out and so that's why gates went after mccarthy and so i, I absolutely believe mccarthy on that and it's rare that i believe McCarthy. i was gonna say yes you <laughs> believe mccarthy on that um, i do if, yeah. if you were to make a prediction as to who will, you know, is in the running for the RNC uh, chair, chairmanship, uh, where would you put your money right now? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's going to be exactly who Trump has nominated. He's nominated this triumvirate, sort of like, you know, ancient Rome, where it's going to be uh, his campaign manager um, is going to be the CEO, which is incredibly conflict of interest. Laura Trump and the uh, the current chair of the North Carolina Republican Party are going to co co chair it, and um, and it's going to be a, a, an unmitigated disaster. The the North Carolina GOP chair is a far right election conspiracy theorist, complete MAGA Trump loyalist, way out there. Um, so that's who's going to be running this. And and as bad as people thought Ron McDaniel was, these this crew is going to be worse. And they could potentially find themselves breaking the law inadvertently. Yeah. And and that will present its own problems, you know, will will, will pose its own problems for, for Trump as a candidate, I presume. It, what's going to happen is, this is what's going to happen, is that Trump is going to keep pressing them to do things that are not legal. Yes. They're going to check with the lawyers. The lawyers are going to say, no, you can't do that. And they're going to fire the lawyers and get <laughs> new ones. And then they're just going to do it. And, and yeah, I... I it wouldn't shock me if some people end up going to jail next year over th this RNC takeover.
finally, I d- did you watch the Grammys by any chance? Did you see? Uh, no. See, see any of them? Miley Cyrus. No, I just saw like clips. Yeah, I, I I watched it. I actually watched it with a neighbor who's a musician, and and she didn't have the channel. I think it was Paramount Plus or something. She said, "Have you got Paramount Plus?" I was like, "So I never watch it normally, but I was forced to watch it." So I kind of got into this whole Taylor Swift thing, and she, yeah. you know, she did very well out of out of it. Um, Donald Trump has posed a whole a whole chapter of controversy over his latest tweet about. Um, about uh, Taylor Swift. He said, I signed and was responsible for the Music Modernization Act for Taylor Swift and all other musical artists. Joe Biden didn't do anything for Taylor and never will. There's no way she could endorse crooked Joe Biden, the worst and most corrupt president in the history of our country, and be disloyal to the man who made her so much money. Besides that, I like her boyfriend, Travis, even though he may be a liberal and probably can't stand me. I mean, you know, this is like weirdness factor 10.2. Um, there is a there is a, a, a rumor, a theory going around that Taylor Swift could end up winning the election for Joe Biden. Yeah, you could really break down that the the psych the psychosis involved in that tweet right there because there's yeah. so much in there. Yeah, there's so many layers to it. Yeah. First of all, let's just talk about Trump claiming that he helped her out <laughs> and made her who she is today. That act, by the way, didn't even go into effect until 2021 it was passed, I think, in 2019. So Taylor Swift was quite wealthy and famous and all of that well, well before 2021. So sec- number two, this 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 thing had to do with di- the digital streaming services not paying out royalties to artists. And so it was a a lot of the producers, the the record industry, the recording artists uh, all came together and said, you know, we need, we need to do something about this. We need this passed. There was a a lot of members of both parties in Congress that picked this up. It passed the Senate unanimously. Everybody was in favor of this. This wasn't a controversial thing. Um, Everybody in the house passed it. It had nothing to do with Donald Trump. This is not something Donald Trump campaigned on brought up pushed it's not like he was making phone calls twisting people's arms to get this passed this was a no-brainer it was a layup right trump had no involvement the only involvement he had was he signed it into law because he was president but there wasn't one person who was against even Rand paul wasn't against this okay <laughs> and Rand, Rand paul votes against everything thomas massey wasn't against this so it was a no-brainer trump had nothing to do with it so for him to claim that like I made Taylor Swift, you know, because of this act is just complete asinine. So that's the first part of it. But then the second part is there's three parts. The second part is you can sense the fear that he has for Taylor Swift of Taylor Swift. He is afraid of Taylor Swift. Yeah. And, and so he's, cause he's trying to like sort of in his own twisted, sick way, sweet talker, almost like, look what I've done for you. Yeah. I, I, I like you. I, I've helped you. You should like me too. Yeah. Well, he, he's threatening her. Way. He's threatening her, but he's doing it, trying to do yes. it in a nice way and being kind about her partner yes. and stuff. And it, and it's like this is to me because everything he does is is like mobster behavior, right? So yep. it's one of those threats that he, that is laced with with he's, he's trying to scare her, and it's not going to work, is it? No, it, it, I think it backfired because you know she saw it. Yeah. She didn't say anything about it. 
But you, if she ever had any thoughts in the back of her mind, like maybe I'm going to sit this election out, um, I think he 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 wrecked that that tweet. And again, this is again something where his campaign team probably cringed when they saw this. Like, mm-hmm. don't poke the bear, and the bear is Taylor Swift, and another big bear is Travis Kelsey. And you know, you notice there, he gets that like Travis Kelsey fans are his voters; they're his base. You know, so he was very careful not to go after Travis Kelsey there and say, I like Travis Kelsey. Um, so it's just he, he's just such a twisted mind, the way his mind works. Studying it can be both interesting and infuriating and sickening all at the same time. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of celebrities coming out to bat for Joe Biden in the coming months as we as we get closer to, to the election period, because I do think that that you know people feel so activated about the loss of democracy, and I I I reckon that it's it's going to be a, like a, a showdown, a, you know, celebrity showdown, as to you know every opportunity, every award ceremony, and every red carpet event, people will be using it as an opportunity to set the record straight on on the the loss and potential loss of democracy in America. I, I think you hit on something there that you're absolutely right that not many people have talked about at all, which is, you know, in 16, it, it really wasn't there. You know, especially a lot of progressives didn't especially like Hillary and, and and they weren't that enthusiastic. And a lot of them stayed on the sidelines, even after the Access Hollywood. And I think a lot of them felt like, well, Hillary's definitely going to win. We don't really need to worry about this. There's yeah. no way this nut, nutcase can win um, <laughs> Trump, you know. And then I think in 2020, a lot of them got involved, but again, it, it still wasn't, you know, COVID is going on. And so, so there couldn't have a lot of big events or rallies or anything like that. And so you, you didn't really see so much of the heavy celebrity involvement, but I think you're absolutely right. I think when, when, when it comes crunch time in October, September, I think you're going to see just a massive number of recording artists and actors and actresses and, and retired politicians even military generals. And I will say, you know, the one that I really, there's one person out there that I think could really make a huge difference and hurt Trump. And that is General John Kelly. And because General John Kelly knows all the the things that Trump said behind the scenes about the military and about veterans. And he has confirmed them with reporters and he's told reporters the suckers and losers story and all of that. But he has never once get gone on camera and given an interview. And I think if he does that in September, if he if he finally gets the seriousness of this, and I know a lot of his friends are telling him to do this, but he doesn't want to. If he goes on camera and tells those stories, I think Trump is he can hurt Trump more, more than anybody. The point that I'm trying to make to people is this is not a vote for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. This is a vote for democracy over demagoguery and over dictatorship. It's freedom over fascism. Because, you know, Joe Biden is a temporary torchbearer. And, you know, I mean, for all the recent criticism of him and, of course, that, you know, the that report, the special counsel report that came out and has, you know, caused him to have to make a statement about his own ability to govern... It's quite painful to watch, especially when he went back to the podium after he should have carried on walking out. But the reality is that this is not just about Joe Biden. It's about 
Democrats, but it's about liberal thinking, progressive thinking and normality. You're choosing normality over this weird, incendiary authoritarianism. And I, I really do think people understand that. And I, and I would like Joe Biden to communicate that more. You know, you're not you're not voting for me. You're voting for the future of the country. You know, I really hate complimenting you, Anthony, because it goes to your head. And I don't and I don't like to do that. It's Valentine's Day. You are making some incredible points today. I mean, you really are very insightful. And and I I choose words carefully on social media with messaging and 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 I and I'm very specific and I, re- I repeat certain things. And lately, I have changed my messaging on exactly what you said. And I am trying to much more use the Biden administration and the administration and to take Joe out of it. Yes, yeah. he's he runs the administration. He's ahead of it. But really, this is a complete administration. And when you compare top to bottom the entire administration versus what Trump's next administration then, like you said, you, it's not just about this man versus this man. You need to look at the whole package. And when you do that, and I think when the American people do that, they clearly see that this is the better choice. So so I agree. And I've tried to use that in my messaging much more along the lines of what you've said. It, it's, you know, it's what Midas Touch is all about. You know, it's it's pro-democracy. You know, you, you, you choose to be anti-fascist and pro-democracy. It's maintaining normality, and and extremism has been allowed into American politics because Donald Trump welcomed all these fringe groups that, uh, you know, by anybody else's standard, would never have been platformed. But, you know, he was like, come on in, the Nazis, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, I need the votes last time around. But I think people have, have now, especially since the January 6th investigation and the report... I really do think that people now recognize how dangerous the threat is and how, you know, that the threat is not so much Russia. The threat is Trump. Yeah. You know, on on your last point, too, I mean, when they, when they hired me at Midas, you know, and, and I, I said, you know, what's the philosophical bent of our organization going to be? You know, because I said I suggested, you know, it's, we should we should bill ourselves as a center left, you know, group that we are firmly planted in the center to the left. And that's what we are philosophically, because I think that that does accurately reflect who we are as people. But they said, no, you know, we we are a pro-democracy platform. We don't want to use terms like left, right, center, progressive. We are pro-democracy and and we're for institutions and, and preserving them. And, and they're right. You know, they're right. And I, I, even though politically we are center left, um, but, you know that needs to be the, the the goal of the organization to preserve democracy. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 there's a lot at stake, and um, you know, it's. I, I wish that I wish that it wasn't so serious. You know, because sometimes with politics, you know, you want to be satirical and get a rise out of it, but it is deadly serious this time. And 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 you know, people didn't really know in 2016 what Trump was capable of. But but now now they do. And with the type of language like I'm going to encourage Russia to go after NATO nations, you know, you, you really need to very seriously consider who you're voting for, uh, even yeah. if you've never voted, you know, Democrat previously. I mean, when you, when it was Bill Clinton against Bob Dole in 1986, you know, 
I mean, yeah, there's subtle differences, but it's not like, you know, it wasn't going to make a massive sea change of a difference in American society, whether one, one or the other, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, they were both centrist guys, one center right, one center left. Uh, but this one, I don't know that we've ever had a starker contrast, you know, maybe since FDR and Herbert Hoover, you know, 1928, you'd have to go back that far. Uh, uh, that's probably, you know, the last time or 1932, that's probably the last time that we, uh, we had such a, a wider, wide, or, you know, when Abraham Lincoln ran, yeah. you know, those are, and so that, that's how high the stakes are. Yeah. Okay. We have to finish, but, uh, interesting conversation, important conversation and uh, analysis. Thank you, Ron Filipkowski. I'm Anthony Davis. Join us next week, next Wednesday. We do it every Wednesday at the same time. If you would like to hear the audio podcast, you can download that later this evening, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to watch this and share it and, you know, get the details of our sponsors down below, then please rewind as soon as we finish and watch it all over again. Thank you for today. Ron, catch you next week. And happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's. 